All right, for my parents in the room, how many of you as parents have found yourself teaching your kids, you've taught something to your kids, but then you've caught yourself as a parent doing the exact opposite of what you've taught your kids. Have you done that? Okay. All right, good. We're confessing down here. All right. We'll pray for you guys. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay. So I had one of those moments yesterday and this is half illustration, half pastor confession. Okay. And so um, some of you know this, I coach flag football for our boys and I have for, for several years. And usually because our three kids are close together, they're usually on two separate teams. But um, I was able to talk to the Y director and got all three of our boys on the same team together. And we had a game yesterday. We actually had two games in the heat of Saturday, had a game at 12 o'clock and at 2 and so we had our 12 o'clock game, and uh, man, I just love, I love coaching. I'm not saying I'm the best coach by any means, but I just love like pouring into the kids and just loving on them and having a good time out there and giving mom and dad a break a little bit and just having fun. But I'm just like anybody. On Saturday when it is game time, it is, I'm competitive, right? Like I want to win. Like no one wants to leave Saturday and be like, Oh, we lost. That was so amazing. All right. So we get out there and our 12 o'clock game uh, was against this coach that I've played against uh, or coached against for many years. And man, he's just like the thorn in my side. Like, I just don't know. He's like my arch nemesis of youth flag football. All right. If there ever is such a thing. Like, you know, it's just one of those things. And, um, and so every time we play them, we've, I've probably have played him probably five or six times. And we've won one time against him. The other times we always lose by like some ridiculous mistake. Like at the end of the game, it'd be like a Hail Mary over the safety's head. The guy does some miraculous catch and scores a touchdown. They win and we lose. It's like that kind of game stuff. And so we're playing him and we are, um, we're up and everything's good. And of course they score and they uh, and flag football, there's no field goal. So you either go for one or two, they make two, and we end up losing by four points, all right? So let's just say I was a little salty after that, but it's all right, okay? Um, you either get better or bitter, <laughs> and I was bitter for a little bit. But then we had a 2 o'clock game, and at our 2 o'clock game, we are playing this team, and, um, and we're getting after them, and they have some pretty athletic kids but we are up. Like, man, we have just, our team, I guess they were angry after the first game. And we are up um, right uh, at, at halftime, 24 nothing. all right? And so the second half starts, and we have this little running back guy, and he's really small. And they have some big kids on the team, and this is what happened. So our kid runs the ball, and I kid you not, flag football, this big kid goes and he tackles. He literally tackles this kid. Well, the, our player gets up. He takes the football. He's mad. He's so mad. He gets the football. He's like, huh. He's like, this isn't tackle football. It's flag football. You know, and I'm like, okay, he's losing it. And so he's coming back to the huddle. He's just all mad. He's like, oh, you know, do it all. I'm like, okay. All right. So as the coach, my job is to, you know, calm him down. All right, if you've ever been a coach, you know what I'm talking about. So I calm him down. I'm like, hey, buddy, listen. I just take him one-on-one -on -one off to the side of the huddle. I'm like, hey, listen, don't let them get their hand. He's like, oh, he's not tackled. You know, he's so much bigger than me. He's crying. He's so angry. And I'm like, hey, we're up, okay? We're like winning 20-something, you know, nothing. And I was like, just keep it together. We're, we're going to be good. Don't let it get to your head. And so I bring him back to the huddle. I'm like, hey, guys, listen. 
There's no reason to get mad. We're killing these guys. Like, let's just have fun. It's a game. Keep your cool. Keep your composure. That's what I'm teaching the team. All right, you know this is going, right? Okay. So we do a couple plays. Well, like one of the last plays of the game. All right, the other team has this one kid. He's like their most, he's probably their best player. He's their most athletic kid. And, um, and he's frustrated because they're getting spanked. And we end up winning the game, um, I think it was like 34 to nothing. That's because they have an awesome coach. And so, um, but towards the end of the game, they're frustrated. They're, you know, whatever. So this most athletic kid, he lines up and, and he's on offense as a wide receiver. And our youngest, Noah, is about five yards in front of him, defending him. So if you know my youngest son, Noah, he's like, he calls himself Tiny Diamond. I don't know why, but, but <laughs> he's small. I don't know if that's like a nickname, like if he's like in some gang at elementary school, I'm not sure. Uh, um, hopefully he's not dealing drugs, but he calls himself Tiny Diamond. It's so, but he's small. I mean, he's like 50 pounds. I mean, he's like, like this tall, all right? If you know him, you see him around, he's small. So this kid is like twice his size. And so they hike the ball, and this athletic kid runs straight after Noah, right to him. And Noah's standing there, going to defend, and the kid just full-fledged pushes him to the ground and then takes off for a route. So I see it, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the field, and like Noah, it was like he just like hit the ground, boom, and just started crying. And he's a tough cookie. He usually doesn't cry. And so coach slash dad bear Right, I'm like, no, that ain't going to happen. So this is my confession, okay? I've already apologized to the Lord and been redeemed, so don't judge me. All right, I lost it, right? Well, not really, okay? Not in the way, I've seen some coaches lose it. Not like that, okay? Like a fight didn't ensue or anything like that. And so I go up, I go straight to this kid, right? And I wasn't like in his face, like berating him, okay? I don't want you, you might think I do that. I'm not like that, okay? I'm a pastor. Good night, okay? So I go to him, and I'm like, hey! I'm like, listen, that's not how we play this game. This is flag football. And I was like, you are twice his size. You need to think before, um, twice before you do something like that. That was wrong. And I was pointing my finger like that, okay? So the kid's like, all right? So anyway, the game ends, and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of me like he always does. And so we, end, we, we win the game and all that stuff. So I go to the rest first. I was like, hey, rest, I'm sorry. I lost my cool out there. I apologize. He's like, no, that's your kids. You know, like, I would have done the same thing. I think you handled it well. So then I, I was like, okay, you don't need to justify my sinful actions. But I go to the coach, and I'm like, hey, coach, um, hey, I'm really sorry that I acted that way. I shouldn't have confronted the kid. I should have came to you. And he's like, yeah, why don't you do that next time? I said, I would like to apologize to your player. So he's like, okay. So I go over to the player. And this is where I feel like the biggest jerk. The kid is just crying. All right. He's just <laughs> like that kind of crying. And I'm like, hey, buddy. I was like, hey. And he's like, he's like, no, no, like that. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know. Uh, I'm like big bully adult picking on a 10-year-old, you know. So I go to him, and I'm like, hey, hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Hey, can I say something to you? And he just turns around, and, and he goes, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that, and I was wrong. I shouldn't have pushed him. And I say, hey, listen, I appreciate you saying that. I said, but I want you to hear me say this. I was wrong. And I was like, I took it personal. That was my son. You shouldn't have done that, but I shouldn't have come to you. I should have went to the refs. I should have went to your coach. So will you forgive me? And he was like, yes, yes. And at that time, here comes the kid's dad. 
all right? And, of course, I'm wearing my church T-shirt, okay? God bless America, all right? So he comes over, and he's like, what's going on here? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this dad, I'm just thinking in slow motion. He doesn't know what I said to his son. He just sees it from the other field, some almost 40-year-old man coming, and I pointing my finger in front of this kid's face. And he's like, what's going on here? And I was like, hey. I was like, are you the dad? He said, yes, I am. I was like, hey, I'm so sorry. I was like, I was just I was asking your son for forgiveness. <laughs> I was like, I was wrong, and I want to ask you for forgiveness. I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry. He pushed my son. I took it too personal because he's my son. But um, I'm sorry. I should have gone to the refs or to the coach. <laughs> you know what his response was? Yes, you should have. Okay? I was like, okay, all right. I'll see you later. All right? <laughs> now, my saving grace was I couldn't, <laughs> well, I could wait, but I did not like Sloan keeps me in check, you know, wives, y'all do that. All right. Kept me in check. And I get to the sideline. I'm like, oh gosh, Sloan's just going to like be so embarrassed of me. And so of course the kids say, did you see dad lose it? <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh gosh. And she's like, no, I didn't see that. What happened? And I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> she did not see that. But I share that illustration to tell you this so many times as parents, whether it's because of emotions, because of it's the heat of the moment, or our human nature, or whatever the case may be. As parents, we oftentimes forget the very principles that we are trying to instill into our kids. And we, it's, uh, I said this last week, it's that, it goes back to that saying, say as I, I say, not as I do, right? It's like, these little, we're like, if that's the, the basis we're teaching our kids, we're raising little hypocrites. And the thing is, is that in these moments as parents, we often forget the things that we are trying to instill in our kids and our emotions and the circumstance or whatever the case may be gets the best out of us. And what ends up happening is there's a contradiction into, hey, me in a huddle saying, hey, kids, keep your composure. Be cool, we're winning, and then me losing it and getting in front of this 10, 11-year-old kid and telling him how wrong he was. And so our kids are seeing that, and the truth of the matter and the tension that we face is that the things as parents, the things that we say and the actions that we do shape the character of our kids. Think about that. The words that we say and the things that we do, the actions that we do shape the character of our kids. Now, if you're a believer, hopefully you want to shape your kids to be godly kids. You want them to know and pursue Jesus. And the things that we say, the things that come out of our mouth, and the actions that we do help shape that. Now, at the same time, at the end of our first game, I said this um, earlier in our first service, is that we lost the first game. It was a tough call. We had a pass to my son, Triumphant. He catches it, and for the win, just had to score a touchdown. He goes in, and he, his flag is pulled, like literally a yard from the goal line. So after the game, Triumphant's on the bench, just crying his eyes out. And I don't know if you were like this. Some of y'all might be like, suck it up. There's no crying in flag football, you know. But I go over there, I'm like, why are you crying, buddy? And he's like, we lost the game, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Now, in that moment, what I would say and what I do will shape my kid's character. Now, I could have said, you're right, son, it was your fault. You were a, a yard short. Why don't you dive next time, loser, okay? You know, and it could shape him. 
But you know what I did in that moment? I said, you know what, son? Like any, hopefully, good father, good coach would do. Hey, listen, that's not your fault. Man, there were so many mistakes in that. It's a game, dude. You know, you played really well out there. You tried your best. That's all that matters. Now, in that moment, I had an opportunity. We have opportunities as parents, whether it is when they're little and, or when they're out of our homes, whether we're grandparents now, we have opportunities to shape the culture of our kids and to shape their lives. And hopefully it's there. And it all starts by not forgetting about um, about God and loving the Lord. And so as we've been walking through this, we've been looking in Deuteronomy 6 at the Shema, this time where the Israelites are about to go into the promised land and Moses is just giving it to them. He is challenging them. He's letting them know, hey, don't make the same mistakes um, as your parents did. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy 6 and we're gonna just continue this. Now, if you remember, just a brief recap, the first thing Moses says is, hey, y'all need to love the Lord your God with everything that you have. That is so important that as we're walking through our families and, um, and parenting or, you know, with our aunts and uncles or with our, just with, this is in general, just a principle for all believers. We need to love God with everything. It's a biblical command. It was so important that Jesus actually quotes Moses and says in Matthew, hey, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And so this is so important. And so Moses talks about that. Last week, we saw that it, then it fleshes itself out in the way that we lead our kids, that we need to teach our kids how to love the Lord. We need to do it diligently. We need to do it consistently. You remember that? Like, it's not just a, hey, let's just go to church on Sunday. It is something that we need to instill in our kids about the way that we're living and by our actions and by our words, that it, that's happening. It's not just some cultural Christianity. It is um, who we are. And so Moses continues this, and he really presses on with this challenge in um, verse 10 of chapter 6. So follow along with me. It'll be on the screens. Um, Moses says this, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you. So remember, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. And they're about to experience this incredible promised land. As we see, it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. Essentially, it's going to have everything that you need. It's going to be this incredible place. He says, so when the, when the Lord, um, your God, brings you into that land from your forefathers, with great, uh, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and when you are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve. In his name you shall swear. You shall not go after the other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the, God, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Now that's an interesting verse if you think about it. That God, the Lord your God, is a jealous God. He says, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from uh, off the face 
of the earth. Now, I don't want to sign up for being destroyed off the face of the earth. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound pleasant. But in the words uh, uh, that Moses is challenging, essentially he's, he's telling them, he's giving them a challenge, but also this warning. And so two things this morning. The first is a warning to not forget. Moses is saying, do not forget. And if you remember God's people, the Israelites, they have a short-term memory. It's kind of like, what have you done for me lately type of attitude. Man, they were walking through the wilderness. They were going through times of suffering. And it was like, man, we're so hungry. And then God would provide food. And they're like, we're still, we're still hungry. He would provide some more food. And it got so bad that they were like, you know what, Moses, like what's going on? Like your leadership, like we've been in this thing. Like, are we lost? <laughs> like what's going on? Why is it taking us this long? Like isn't, doesn't God want us to experience the promised land? Like, what's going on? It's so bad. You know what, Moses? You know what? We're better off just going back to Egypt and being in slavery. They, he's like, that, that would, they're, they're saying that would have been better. But more, Moses is, saying, is warning them, hey, don't forget about what God has done. Do you remember God rescued you from slavery? He moved you out of Egypt. Remember that time that we were captured or we're about to be captured by Pharaoh after he changed his mind and he was about to capture us again and God parted the Red Sea and let you escape that way and then swallowed up Pharaoh and his army? Remember that whole thing? Yeah, don't forget about that. So as you enter into this promised land where everything is going to be great, don't forget the Lord. And I think really this is, in my opinion, American Christianity 101. Because so often, you and I, man, we have jobs. They might not be the best job in the world, but we have jobs. We have families. We have cars. We have houses. We have groceries. We, we have money to, to live. And so we have everything we need. Why, why do we need God? And that's how a lot of people think. Why do I need God? I got everything. And I think for me, one of the biggest experiences that I had that really opened my eyes is I led about 30 um, high school students to a remote part of Jamaica one time when I was in student ministry. I'll never forget this. It was probably the hardest work of my life. And I love working hard, but man, I wanted to die. Um, we were mixing concrete like all day long. And we were building these hurricane-proof homes. So uh, it's pretty awesome, amazing thing. But at the end of the week, we spent all, all day building these two homes. At the end of the week, we would kind of commission them or commit them to God and pray for the family and give them keys and all that kind of stuff. And so we get done, and there's this lady. It was her and, and um, her five kids in this home that literally was like a 10 by 10 one-room thing. No running water, no electricity, no bathroom. These six, this mom and her five kids were sharing this one, one house. So we, we built it, and we're... She's so ecstatic about it. I'm like, hey, can we pray for you? So we pray for her, commission the house. Hey, God, you know, we want you to use this house, that kind of thing. Well, as soon as we said amen, the lady said, hey, can I pray for you guys? And we're like, oh, no, no, that's okay. You don't need to pray for us. She said, no, I want to pray for you. Because in America, you think you have everything that you need. And there's so many distractions that keep you from depending on God. And I was like, man, that is so true in our life that we, we have this short-term memory of all the incredible things that God has done. And Moses is saying, hey, parents, don't forget, God has given you those things. The house you live in, God has given you that. 
The children that you have, God has given you that. The job, the food, the ways to pay your bills, God's provided you those things. Don't forget, don't think I've worked all hard for this. Nah, God's given you that. And he's telling the people, as you experience everything in this promised land, those vineyards I put there, those cisterns, you didn't dig them. And he's, and he's confronting them that, that they do not need to forget the Lord. And I love this. If you think about it, it is the parent's responsibility to both model and transfer their need of God so that their children see their need for God. Our kids need to see our dependency on God so that then, as we model that and transfer that to their lives, is that they see our dependency on God, they will see their need to depend on God. You following me? They need to be able to see that. If we live lives like we got everything together, we don't need God. We got everything. That God thing is just kind of side business to make us feel good and get some inspirational talks. If they just see that, that's what they're going to see. So as we model, man, we really need God in this moment. They see in times of suffering that we're going to pray together as a family. Our kids would be like, man, my, kid, my parents actually do practice what they preach. They are actually teaching those things. And actually, they actually believe it. And so our kids need to see us, and, and that is not only modeled, but then it's going to be transferred in that dependency that we have. And I, and I think we often miss the mark on that. James 1.17 says this, Every good gift, every good perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Think about that. Every gift is from God. Let us not forget as we're raising our kids. Now, let's be honest. It's really easy when your kids are small to not forget God. It's very easy to say, hey, let's just do our Bible prayers, you know, type thing. Or like what I call like biblical nursery rhymes, you know what I'm talking about? Like the little, you know, churchy saints, Father Abraham had many sons. You know what I'm talking about? Those things. It's easy when they're small to do that. I remember we used to put Cedarmont Kids, if you ever heard of that. Okay, you might date yourself DVD. And my kids are entertained for hours knowing Bible songs. And, and our kids' ministry does a great job. It's easy to do that. But then when they get into middle school, and isn't it a weird phenomenon if you've ever had teenagers that the older you get or the older they get, the dumber you are? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Your kids think they're the smartest people in the world. They forget the things that you've instilled in them, even in those moments, even in the moments when your kids are long gone from the house and they're no longer going to church or they're doubting God or they're struggling with something that's going on, it is our job as parents to remain faithful and to continue to point to God. Don't forget. In the midst of the struggle, don't forget. And, and times where our kids come home from school and are saying, man, I just really had a really bad day. I feel like my friends, I'm, not, I just, I'm just not fitting in. Okay, well, where's your identity? Let's talk about God. This is how God designed you. Look at, look at it as an opportunity to point back to Jesus and opportunities to point them back to God. And so Moses is warning them, hey, it's all about me. Point them back to me. The second thing is a challenge to count our days. Now, I don't know, you probably have heard this or something along these lines. When, I be, when we became parents, I can't tell you how many times where we were just like exhausted and I'm like, I'm tired of changing diapers. This is ridiculous or like whatever the case may be. And you have people say, just enjoy it while it lasts because before you know it, they'll be gone. Have you ever heard that? And it's so true. Like now I'm like, okay, that was true. 
Like, it's hard to believe that I have, our oldest is finishing up sixth grade. Our fifth grader is about to be in middle school. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have two middle schoolers next year. That is crazy to me. Some of you are like, yeah, think about, wait till they start driving. Wait till they graduate. Wait till they get married and start having kids and all these different things. It happens so fast. It happens just like that. And really, if you look, and, and I love this, the psalmist says this, so teach us to number our days that, when, uh, that we may get a heart of wisdom. So when we count our days and we recognize how important each day is, we gain wisdom. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 5. Um, he says this to the church of Ephesus. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, when I think about those passages of Scripture, this is what comes to mind. In order to make your days count, you need to count your days. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, that if there's kids in your home, think, how many, how many more years, how many more weeks, how many more days do I have with them in my house, under my influence, before they leave and they're kind of setting their new path and charting their new territory? What do I have with me right here? And it will change how you parent. I kid you not. It will change how you parent. I looked this up. Um, so Zion, he's finishing up sixth grade. I have 322 weeks left with him in my house before he graduates. Now that's crazy to me. Now when I'm counting my days, it puts a new perspective um, in that. So I, I thought of this illustration, I want to show it to you. All right. Um, just bear with me on this. So if you think counting your days and it changes your perspective, all right, this right here, y'all like Skittles? All right, so do I. I like Skittles. So this right here, let's just say this represents your life. Okay, the average life is like 79 years, something like that, give or take. All right, this represents your life, the time that you spend here on earth. Now, if you think about it, there's some essential things that happen in our life that are naturally going to take our time. They're going to they're gonna take our, our days. And so let's talk about some essentials, all right? You got to eat, right? Can I get an amen? All right, what's for lunch? All right, so you're going to spend some time eating. You're going to be out to eat, whatever, run through the drive-thru, stuff like that. You're going you're gonna to do that, all right? You're going to spend some time, maybe you like to travel a little bit here and there. You travel a little bit, all right? Now let's think about this. Let's think about, this is definitely an essential, going to the bathroom, all right, you're definitely spend some time going to the bathroom. Um, some of you guys a little too much, so let's put a little bit more in there. All right, I know, hey, let's just be honest. As parents, you're not going to the bathroom. You're sitting on the toilet on your phone checking Facebook because you need a break from your kids, right? We know we've all done it. Confession time, let's be real. All right, so we go to the bathroom, you're eating. Okay, sleeping, that's essential, right? All right, so let's just say roughly half of our life is doing those essential things. All right. Some other things that are, some, we, you can consider essential, but some other things, all right? Screen time. We're watching TV on our phones, checking, you know, our likes, all that stuff, okay? You got to get some of that in there, right? Okay, your job. Hopefully you work. Uh, you got to take care of your family. That takes a lot of time, right? So you're, you're working, working a ton. Maybe you vacation, you exercise, all that stuff, all right? So you see see that, all right? So you, you spend all this time doing this. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. This is the time after all those things are done that you have with your kids. 
Now, sure, are you spending time with your kids going through the drive-thru? Yes. All right. Are you spending time on, on traveling with your kids? A little bit. But think about this. That's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time with your kids. You have to make the most of the opportunity that God has given you as parents to instill this, instill who God is in this time. Say, I'm going to make the most out of this opportunity. I don't have a lot of time. And when I count my days and when I see it visually, man, I spend a lot of time at my job. Think about this. For some of us, we work 40-plus hours a week. I know, like, I come home from work, and I love my job. But I come home from work, I'm only with my kids for a couple hours, and it's bedtime. And then we take them to school. They're in school all day or whatever. I don't have a lot of time. And as my kids get older, this time just dwindles away. And so what we need to do as parents is we need to look at this time that we have and every opportunity that we have with our kids, we need to not forget, we need to point them back to Jesus. We need to point them back to the Lord. We need to say, hey, you know what, son? You know, man, isn't it awesome what God's doing with the change of of the weather? Man, that's God. Man, we serve a good God. Take an opportunity on the way to school pray for your kids. Hey, I hope that you have a great day. Let's just pray. Let's just ask God to be with you. Use that as an opportunity. Take, take time to say, hey, when they're struggling, hey, your identity is not in what your friends say and all the peer pressure at school. It's in Jesus. Use that as an opportunity. Use an opportunity. Just go and just to be with your kids. Not to be on your phone. Just unplug. Take them fishing. Take them, to the, take them on a date. Whatever the case may be. Use these opportunities one by one. Make the most of those opportunities to invest, to show them Jesus loves you. And, and I, I trust Jesus. I'm dependent on him. I'm not doing this whole parenting thing the right way. I'm not the best, but I'm going to trust Jesus. I want you to trust Jesus. And as you're doing that, over time, this little bit of of investing, this time, this intentionality pours into their life. And can I tell you, this time that you intentionally spend investing into your kids' spiritual lives, grandparents into your grandkids' spiritual lives, teachers into the kids that you're you're teaching uh, um, throughout the week, this little time right here, if you intentionally invest in this little time, it has a much greater impact than any of this stuff. This impacts eternity. This doesn't. This impacts their spiritual being. So let's make the most out of the opportunity. Let's make the most and say, I'm going to invest in my kids. I'm going to take steps to not forget the Lord. And that in order to make my days count, I need to count my days. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for being a God that we can trust. And Father, forgive us so often. We make it all about ourselves. We just get in this like rat race of life and we're all guilty of it, myself included, where we're just doing our jobs, doing our kids' sports, doing school, doing homework, doing family time here, there. And to be honest, oftentimes we forget to be intentional with our kids and pointing them to you. We forget. And so oftentimes as our kids get older, we abandon who you are. And as Moses challenged and he said, hey, do not start to worship other gods as other people do. I know I'm guilty of worshiping the God of our culture. And God, let our kids see parents that are faithful to trusting you. Not in some holy bubble wrap, like keeping them from the world, but in a way that disciples them through tough things. 
that speaks into their identity and always points back to you. We can only be good parents if we depend on you. And so God, let us and our dependence on you transfer to our kids to see their dependence and their need to depend on you. Father, let us take steps today to lead our family and to not forget everything that we have in life. Every good gift is from above. It's from you. Let us remember that today in your son's name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship uh, an incredible God that we can serve this morning.